Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here is a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. We want to make an eternal difference in other people's lives. I don't want to sit in this room. I don't want this to be uh, the highlight of our week. That's what we want to talk about uh, today is before we continue to extend our borders, as we continue to touch other people's lives, we need to make sure that this body is built up. This body is strong. This body is encouraged in the faith. And I believe we all play a role in that. So if you want to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 6, I don't have a very long message uh, this morning. I just want to read seven verses here and then talk to you from a few other verses. In Acts chapter 5, as you're turning here, as we continue in the series, uh, Summer Advance, we're rediscovering normal Christianity. What did normal Christians do in the Bible? In Acts chapter 5, we heard from Pastor Juwan uh, last week, uh, just about the opposition that we'll face. It was a great message uh, as we try to and go in and do significant things for the Lord. As you see in Acts chapter 5, there is persecution. They continued to teach in the temple courts and house to house, and the church continued to grow. And as we come in Acts chapter 6, within that growth, there was a problem that came about. So it says, the believers rapidly multiplied. There were rumblings of discontent. It says, the Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the, the, the church is growing rapidly, thousands upon thousands of people now calling themselves uh, believers later on. They're first recognized as Christians. I believe it was in Antioch. Uh, but uh, as it's going along, there, there's just a snag, right? One group of widows were, were actually saying they were not getting the food distribution, the same food as the others. So the apostles began to give up hope and close the church down. Absolutely not, right? They solved the problem. They, got, they rose above the complaining, they rose above the discontent, asked the Lord for wisdom, and they found it. It says, the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, the bro- and so brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and full of the Holy Spirit and, wi- of, and wisdom, and we will give them this responsibility. And the apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. So it says in verse five, everyone liked this idea and they chose the following. It gives a list of names there and in verse six it says, these seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. Then in verse seven it said, so God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Now we start to see this glimpse as well. Now that some of the Jewish, it says many of the Jewish priests were actually able to be converted because of the style of ministry that became normal in the early church. Are you following this? It wasn't because the apostles did everything. There was a distribution of ministry. Everyone shared in the ministry and it became normal. And because of that, the church was able to expand. Now in the synagogue, there was a tradition that every Friday, two collectors would go uh, into the temple area and then also house to house, and they would collect both money and food goods. And what would happen is during the afternoon of that day or later on that day, they would distribute to those who were in need. So the people, this would be like more in the Old Testament, you, you would have seen this if you want to break old and new. 
So the Jewish, belie- or the Jew- the Jewish uh, individuals at that time, if they had a, a basic need, they were just given a little bit of food and money. But specifically, the widows or who had a permanent need were given enough food or enough money to provide for 14 meals. So it would be two meals a day for that rest of that week until next Friday came. So this tradition was obviously carried out by the Christian church as well, but they ran into this snag. So what we had here is there was a group of widows. They just weren't getting as much food as the other group of widows. And then the apostles, I believe, seeking the Lord came up with an answer. So we see here in verse two, they called a meeting of the believers together and they restated their mission. They restated, we apostles feel that our greatest calling of ministry is to be in prayer and the teaching and the preaching of the word. Now, I want you to see this. The apostles are not downplaying what the need was. I want you to catch that. They, when it, you can almost read that with a little bit of a- attitude in the New Living Translation. You know, we apostles should spend our time preaching the word, not running a food program. That's not how they said it. Because if you see the requirements they put on these folks, it was quite high. So all they're saying is, listen, we have to get together. We have to realize what we're called to do, where our gifts are, where our strengths are, and how we can carry out the purposes God has for us. So the apostles were simply saying, we feel like our calling is preaching and teaching the word. We need to spend a significant amount of time in the Lord, with the Lord, with this. So we want you to choose seven individuals from among the church. So they weren't hoarding or lording uh, power over them. They were saying, you pick from among you based on these uh, three attributes, and they can carry on this important ministry of distributing the food. So the apostles knew that it should be normal for all of the believers to share in the work of the ministry. This right here, hundreds of people staring at one person, is not church. You might say you're going to church. This is a celebration service of what the Lord is doing. It's a time of worship. It's a time to encourage one another. It's a time to be equipped to go out and be the church. So we, we'll, we're going to continue to speak until we even maybe stop saying we're going to church. We're coming to a celebration service. We're coming to the gathering of the believers. But the rest of the week, we're going to be the church and share in the work of the ministry. I want more people excited about that. Amen. Amen. So the three qualifications, they said, they want them well-respected, right, where they can be trusted, where they're honest, they're fair, they're kind. They should be full of the Holy Spirit. Now, I think this is interesting. The very first assigned position of ministry was not to preach or teach, but it was to serve people who were in need food. And they actually thought that this ministry was important enough that they should be filled with the Holy Spirit, which shows you that being full of the Holy Spirit isn't just to preach. It's not just to have a spotlight on you. It's to serve. It's to do the daily work of the ministry and serve somebody who is in need. And then it says full of wisdom. Obviously, if there was complaining, there was discontent. So they knew these men had to be full of wisdom. Now, out of these verses... This is where the modern church gets the word deacon. Can you say deacon? So this word deacon comes from a word in the Bible that means to serve. So some of your translations might not say food program. Maybe some of them says to serve. Some of them might say to wait on tables. So the intention here of the apostles was never to create, like we hear deacon and we think of deacon boards. 
Are you with me? Like the deacon boards, the elder boards, trustee, and so on. Their, their, their goal here was not to create a, a board that like sat around and just talked about doing things. They were to take men who were full of wisdom, full of the Holy Spirit, well-respected, and go and serve in this need. That's why we have our deacon team. It's set up with clear responsibilities that these men and these women are carrying out the task that God has for them in their specific team. In fact, if you're a deacon, why don't you stand up at this time? I just want to recognize you for all of the, that you guys do here. Yeah, I do just want to thank the Lord for you. Thank you, men and women. I appreciate you. Yeah, so what they wanted to do and what our deacon team does is serve a specific need. They weren't called to serve in a variety of areas. They were called to serve with this one area to build up the body. Now, our deacon team is called specifically in the area of facilities and grounds. Now, when you think about it, though, our children's workers, our greeters, our ushers, information center, parking lot ministry, youth ministry, any area of ministry that you have that involves caring for a specific need, that allows the leadership of the church to spend more time in prayer and teaching and preaching of the word fulfilled what this is talking about. Does that make sense? So yes, we have an established deacon team that is voted on, prayed on, commissioned, and so on. But you're also fulfilling that role that in scriptural context would be a deacon. You're serving a very specific need that takes that load off of the leadership doing all of the work. And if we see here, there was importance in this. Now, a lot of times you would say, well, a food program, that might not be important. Well, it was important enough that in verse six, it says that the seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them and laid their hands on them. So there was a commissioning, a Holy Spirit-led prayer service specifically to send seven people out to distribute food. It was that important to care for the needs of the body. I believe this is one of the main purposes of church leadership, is to equip and release people to do the work of the ministry. This might sound harsh. I don't mean it to be harsh. I don't know a better way to say it. But those who are paid to be on staff, we're not paid to do the ministry, if, you, if that makes sense. What we are, we're called by God and we receive our living because we're called by God to equip you, to build you up, to train you, to impart something to you that we together are doing the work of the ministry. So we're here to serve you. We're not up here speaking down to you. We are here to serve you so that you can get built up in the strength, the faith, the giftings, the anointing that you have on your life so that at some point you recognize you're a minister of the gospel. It might come out preaching and teaching. It might come out by distributing food to the poor. It might come out by writing cards to people who are in the hospital. It can come out a variety of ways, but there has to be a realization that it's normal for every single person who calls himself a Christian to also call themselves a minister of the gospel. And it comes through sharing that work. You don't have to turn there for the sake of time, but in Ephesians 4.11, it might be up on the screen, it says these gifts Christ gave to the church. And they list apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And it says that their responsibility is to equip God's people for the work or for his work, for Christ's work. Some other translations say to prepare God's people for the works of service and build up the church, who's the body of Christ. Verse 13, it says, this will continue until we all come 
to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be what? Mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That's a good day right there. When there are leaders that you just allow to speak into your life, again, to serve you, to come up under you, to fan the flame of the God's gift in your life until we all are in unity, measuring up to the full standard of Christ, to know we are walking out the perfect will of God in our lives, not just as individuals, but as a church body. Eddie and Danielle can do amazing things in Washington Estates. One greeter can encourage so many people right here in this church. But if we have four, 500 people that call Central their home, all together, all built up, all unified, all moving forward, all building each other up in strength and in faith, how much more can we do for his kingdom? We have to think about the momentum that can happen. But I believe it starts here. I believe if we just start sending and it's outreach, 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 and trust me, I, I love outreach. I'm, I'm the champion of getting outside the walls. Champion in the way of like loving to do it. <laughs> Not the best at it. I want you to hear me right. <laughs> like when you champion an effort. But we have to be strong here first. We have to be willing to serve one another, not in a selfish way, not in, a, not in a, hey, it's just inside here, in a way that says we are going to strengthen one another so we're mature enough to get out there and share the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. When you think about these 90 minutes each week that we do call church, this should not be your highlight. It can be a highlight in an area of celebrating God, seeing other believers, worshiping, receiving the word. But if you think about it, when we take all of this stuff, what are we doing with it then? How are we actually pouring it out to someone else? If I think about my, my two highlights this week, my one would be a meeting with a pastor that I had on our staff. We, had, we worked through, I don't know, five or six different opportunities and there were some challenges as well of how, how we're gonna discover this and how we're gonna work through this. But at the end of the meeting, Based on their response to me, I felt as if I was able to serve that person, bring clarity to their ministry, and empower them to try new things with what God has them called. That's a highlight for me. Second thing would be for me walking down the streets of Washington Estates with my three boys. My daughter was helping up at the park and knocking on doors of complete strangers and knowing we weren't going to force anything upon them. We invited them to the, the, uh, the festival on Friday night, and we got to pray with people. And to see my boys laying hands, you know, on parts of bodies that were hurt and commanding uh, sickness to go and just praying, you know, praying for people and asking the Lord, what, you know, what, what mobile homes should we pray for? And allowing the Holy Spirit to move. That's the highlight. So think about that. If you look through your week, what can a highlight be as you serve another believer to build them up and as you expand the kingdom outside of here? I believe this is what is normal in the church. In Romans chapter 12, I think it shows very beautifully that we have been spiritually designed in such a way to use our personality, our spiritual gifts, our leadership style, basically everything that God has formed you to be, we can use that to serve in ministry. A lot of times people will use their personality as a way like, well, I'm a little bit more quiet or I'm not you know, really aggressive or outgoing, so I'm just going to sit back and watch. Now, there are many things that introverts can do to serve the body and build them up. 
In Romans chapter 12, it says, just as our bodies have many parts and in each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. There are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. And he begins here, in his grace, God has given us all different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encouraging others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you the gift of, or the leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Isn't that amazing how diverse God has made us? How boring would life be, though, if we were all the same, all the same gifting, all the same responsibility, right? So we can be running in a hundred different lanes, but as long as we're on the same track, going in the same direction, God is going to move mightily within this body to get us ready to make the impact he wants us to have. When you look at this, and I want to say this too, I, I don't want you to be so concerned with what your spiritual gift is, but rather how God wants you to use it, okay? We have assessments and we have tests and so on that help you discover those things, but sometimes we can get caught up like in what all the lists say and, well, I don't know if that really fits. No, no, no. God, how do you want to use me today? How do you want to use me to lift somebody up? How do you want to use me to build up this local body here at Central? That's what happened in Acts. That's what these seven men were doing, right? They did not take a spiritual gift inventory, well, I mean, do you have the strong enough hands to like carry all of this food? Do you remember everybody's name so you can distribute it? No, they actually, what, what happened is their potential was called out in them, that they were men of integrity. They were full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom and they just went to work. And I believe as you do that, sometimes you actually discover the gifting that's in you that didn't come out on a test. Is this when you begin to serve the Lord? I always tell people to look for two things in their life, fulfillment and fruitfulness. So fulfillment. Jesus said in John chapter 10 that he's come to give us life and life more abundantly. So there actually should be fulfillment. I'm not saying it's always going to be easy or you're always going to enjoy it. I'm saying inside here, in your spirit, in your soul, there should be fulfillment when you're serving. And the second is fruitfulness. I believe that somebody's life should be encouraged, come to the Lord, strengthen, build up, whatever it is. Other people's lives should be touched through your ministry. And Jesus commands us to bear fruit, much fruit, and fruit that will last. So if you look at those two areas, regardless of what your gifts might be, regardless of what your calling might be, if you look at fruitfulness and fulfillment, and you can sense both of those things going on in your life, I believe the Lord is using you in a mighty way. In all these areas, I'm not, I'm not gonna read it, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about uh, one, that we are one body, but many parts. And that every part is equally as important. In fact, sometimes the hidden parts, the lesser known parts, are sometimes more important than not, than the others. I've shared this example before. I truly believe, if you take the largest church in America, I don't know whose it is now, it's probably 30 or 40,000 people that gather together over a, you know, a, a Saturday through a Sunday. If you take a look at that church and you picture the one last custodian that cleans the last toilet that walks out of the bathroom, everybody else is gone, they click that last light off, they check the last door. That person is just as important 
as the pastor who preached the message that morning. Until we get that into our heads, we're gonna think that we're on some like caste system. If that person's doing what they're called to do by God, or if that person's simply filling a need and they believe it's ministry, I believe God is just as pleased with that man or woman as the preacher of that morning. If we look at some examples of our church, some things that you might not think are, are as spiritual as others, rocking a baby in the nursery, right? You've probably heard it before. I could never work in the nursery. Don't, don't hand me those babies. But if you think about this, we have the chance to serve there, to give young, young kids an excellent experience in church with a smiling face, praying over them as you rock them, not when will they stop crying, but begin to ask the Lord to, to give you ideas and dreams of this child that he has for this child. You could begin to speak destiny over this child. Now, if they grow up, if a child grows up in the arms of somebody who's miserable and who just does not want to be there, then that's the experience they're going to get. But maybe you say, I'm not a baby person, but I'm a happy person. And I can go in there once a month and rock a baby and smile at this child so they have a great experience in church. You're serving in ministry. And that is spiritual. Think about cooking food for an event. I know churches always have a hard time, you know, finding individuals like that. Think about what a meal does at a church to build each other up. Meals help people grieve. They help people celebrate. They help people build relationships and learn more about the local church or learn more about God. People gather around food, right? So instead of saying, well, I'm a good cook at home, but I don't want to cook for like a large group. I can't do that. Maybe just ask the Lord to give you confidence to do that. And as you're cooking, begin to ask the Lord to bless that food. Father, I ask you that every person that takes a bite of this food will know more about you, will be able to go through the experiences that you want them to have because they are gathering around a meal. Cooking now becomes spiritual. You guys okay? Yeah. Think about cutting the grass because we always have a long, long sign-up list of people that want to do that. Sometimes you might not think that cutting the grass or pulling weeds is spiritual, right? Well, that's not that important. Like, let's get on to more important things. If it wasn't important, then why does every single homeowner in here make sure their grass is cut every week? It's really important to us at home. But when we come here, we want to do the spiritual things. That's spiritual. It's called good stewardship of what God has given us. So as we pull weeds and we make sure the paint's not chipping and we cut the grass and make it look nice, what we're doing is we're setting an environment of excellence for when our church body comes on here and when guests come on here to worship the Lord and to gather together. Anything you do in the name of the Lord is spiritual. It's the purpose that these seven men were called to do. As we close today, at the end of your pew, there's a test drive booklet. I just want you to have it. You don't need to look at it now if you don't want to, but we wanted to get it into the hands of each person that was here today. This test drive booklet does not include all of our ministries. I'm not asking you to sign up for a ministry right after I preach a message on it. But what we wanted to do, who receives this booklet are people who are going through our next steps class. It's our membership class. In this booklet are just our entry-level ministries, so you won't see like small group leader on there. You won't see some other positions. But there are just entry-level positions that what happens is when people go through our Next Steps class, they take online assessments. They meet with Pastor Todd for about 45 minutes, and then they, then they fill out a test drive form that they're saying, I'm not committing to this ministry for the rest of my life or until the Lord comes back. 
They're saying, I'm going to try this out. It looks like it might be a good fit if it's my, for my spiritual gift or something that just interests me. So what they do, they fill this out. We connect you with the right pastor and they just begin to walk alongside of that director or coordinator or coach in that ministry. And what I would ask people to do is start to sense, am I sensing fulfillment and fruitfulness? Do I feel like the Lord wants me in this role at this time? If not, that's fine. There's no wrong people. There's right people in the wrong ministries. So we just keep looking for areas. It's not to fill up our sign-up sheets. It's to activate you in what we're all called to do, is to minister together, to build each other up. So what I would encourage you, just look over that. If you're not in, in serving in a ministry, just look over and ask the Lord to lead you in an area. You know, even in the midst of all these spiritual gifts and inventories and so on, I also want us to just realize how to serve a need and fill it. I actually believe that I was brought on staff because I filled a need, not because I was operating in my sweet spot, as we would call it in ministry. It was about um, probably 15 years ago, I saw in the bulletin uh, that there was a need for a computer tech back in the, in the sound booth. I asked my father-in-law what it would entail I, basically, it was clicking through the lyrics of songs. And that's, that's exciting. That's my anointing. <sighs> I felt it. Adam says, amen. I can feel it now. <laughs> like that wasn't exciting to me. I was 22 years old, single, didn't have much more to do on a Sunday. There was a need. I did not fast three days about it. Let me take this to my prayer closet. No, like I knew how to click a mouse. And there was a need, so I filled it. So I served in that capacity uh, for maybe a year, a year and a half. And then after that, my wife and I were asked to be youth leaders. About a year after that, we were called into junior high ministry. That was my sweet spot. I felt like my gifting flowed, my passions flowed. I, I would still minister there if the Lord would have me. It's just an amazing age that needs people to speak life and identity and destiny. There's just so much confusion at that age. So that like broke my heart, man. Like I loved it, and that was where I was. So I knew I was called to ministry at that time. I started working toward my credentials. At that same time, Pastor Stephen Getchell, if you're not from the church, he's our former lead pastor here. He uh, became the lead pastor uh, late into the uh, year 2004, I believe it was. So he met me because of my role in the sound booth, and I interacted with him every single week because of the sound booth. And I had to see if he had his notes and the PowerPoint and all that. And almost all of my conversations with my lead pastor was because I worked in the sound booth, clicking PowerPoint and clicking through songs. Well, it was just a few months later, Pastor Stephen knew I was called to ministry, but he brought me on staff before I even had my credentials and just gave a young kid a chance at ministry. And I do believe that he used junior high to prepare me. I believe he used this to prepare me, but none of it was like a resume builder. There wasn't an inside track. His main trust in me as a person was because I was working in the sound booth, filling a need. And I share all that with you is to say, yes, spiritual gifts are important, anointing. You want to flow in it. You want to go where you are gifted. But sometimes we just have to say, I'm a Christian. It's normal to share in the work of the ministry. There's a need. I'm going to fill it. And I believe in your humility and in your servanthood, God might just show you where your sweet spot is.
because you were willing to just say yes to a need. You know, as we stand today, I just want to pray over you. My desire really is everybody that calls Central their home to just be involved in something. And again, I'm not even going to tell you where we have needs right now because I don't want you just to respond to that. I want the Holy Spirit to begin to lead you for something that the Lord would have for your heart. And I believe that he's going to build us up to a place of maturity where we will make such a greater impact in Washington Estates, in El Salvador, and in many other regions that the Lord has for us. I believe if we just ask ourselves, how can I serve so those who already call Central their home will be transformed by Jesus even more? And where can I serve so together as a church family, we can serve those who are outside the walls? If you look at verse seven in Acts chapter six, it says, God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem and many of the Jewish priests were converted. It doesn't say this in the Bible. This is just my reading between the lines. But I wonder if any of those seven men, as there's this power and signs and wonders, and actually we see one of those seven, Stephen, who served food but still operated in power. Preached, he was the first martyr. You wouldn't think somebody from a food distribution program would be the first martyr. But serving food didn't stop him from serving in other areas. He served the widows, preached, taught, operated in sign wonders and miracles. But I wonder if any of those guys ever saw people coming to Jesus and now priests are bowing their knee to Jesus and all this exciting stuff's happening. I wonder if any of them ever just said, man, I'm just serving food. Why can't I get any of that action? I just wonder, again, it's not in there. I just wonder the days and the times that the apostles would walk up to those seven men and say, do you know Without you doing this, we couldn't do this. Without us working as a team, this wouldn't work out because we wouldn't have been there to preach to the priests. We wouldn't have been there to do the ministry if we were doing something else outside of what God called us to do. So it's not about whose name gets recognized. It's not about who's in a spotlight. It's about us being normal Christians and sharing in the work of the ministry. Father, we just pray right now. God, I pray that you uh, would supply just a fresh dose of energy and anointing and passion for those who are involved in ministry already. Father, for those who are tired, who might be stressed out, who might feel like they're being pulled in every direction, I pray that you'd begin to clear the paths of their lives so they could be focused on what you want them to do to build other believers up and to reach outside. Father, for those who are just nervous to get started and don't know where to start, Father, I pray, God, that you would begin to fan that flame, fan that flame, Lord. You'd help them, whether it's through a dream or a vision or whether it's through encouragement of somebody else, that they begin to identify the giftings, the callings, the passion, the anointings that you've placed on their life, that we would have the willingness to just take a risk and say yes and step out to serve as you've called us to. Father, we trust your leading. We trust your God and we trust that you see the fruit, and that you see the harvest of what you want us to come into as a church family. But it starts here. So today, Father, we thank you for being a good father who will guide us and direct us in these ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.